There are guys out there going to make rosters and make impacts that we have not talked about yet. Well, at least not in depth. We're going to do that today. It's sneaky pick day here on Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Draft Show. I am your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And of course, I'm always joined by my co-host, Ryan Tracy. That's at Ryan Tracy NFL on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. We want to thank you for making us, yes, us, your first listen of the day. And y'all know what time it is, man. It is draft season. Of course, it's been that. I mean, it's always draft season for us, but... I mean, we are a week away, officially a week away. This time, right now, next week, the we'll draft be will be going. And and obviously, when I say right now, like, we're recording Thursday night. So, you know. But we wanted to get to some more prospects that maybe you've heard about, maybe you haven't. But we're going to really get to them today. So, let's go, Ryan. I like it. Let's, let's go on the one that I think probably has the nicest chunk in the middle of the draft. The edge rushers. There's a lot of flavors. There's a lot of hits. Uh, one guy I think we both kind of stand out on is D'Angelo Malone. You guys have heard me yeah. talk about the Western Kentucky trio, the law firm of Zappy Stearns and Malone. Well, Malone's the last <laughs> guy. And, and we need him because I think for as good as I think he performed at his level, I feel like he's still raw as all get out. Am I wrong? I, I think he's I think he's raw as well. And there are people that are really high on D'Angelo Malone. And I get it. You know, when you look at the length, the, the athletic ability, the, the speed and all those things, it jumps out. His pursuit, I think he's terrific there. But I have some question marks. There were a few things that jumped out to me right away while watching his film. Uh, as a pass rusher, when you say raw, I think it's almost to the point, and I could be a little extreme right now, to where he's not – an every down pass rusher type guy. When I mean every down, I mean like, is he a guy that you want to be your primary guy rushing off the edge in passing situations? I didn't quite see that. He's definitely a guy who wants to win every time with speed. That's why he try, tries to beat guys, kind of running the hoop. There were some times where you could see guys have a nice pass set on them. And instead of trying to, you know, work a pass rush move against that guy, he'd actually kind of back up and then maybe try to change direction. And it's like, dude, you don't have any speed to power. You don't have any, you know, hand moves, speed, uh, spin moves, anything like that. I didn't see that. So the thing I actually came away with more than anything with him is I think he'd be terrific in a 4-3 defense, but not as a 4-3 edge where I think most people want to play him. I think he'd be terrific as a 4-3 outside linebacker who has terrific uh, pursuit speed. I think having him out there in a, in, uh, in space where he does play well in space, they had him dropping the coverage at Western Kentucky. All right, so he can drop into space and make plays and stuff from there. But I see kind of, and again, he's not Mika Parsons, the Dallas Cowboys drafted last season out of Penn State. But just in the sense of the usage, right? And I know Parsons had to be used a little bit more as an edge because they had some injuries. But let's say there were no injuries. And Parsons just had his kind of regular stable of pass rushes in the game, where maybe you give him, you know, four or five pass rushes or something like that. I don't know. I think Malone would excel in more of that type of defense 
where they're not asking him to be an every down edge rusher, but every once in a while he does do some things where he rushes off the edge. But his natural position to me, I think he's suited to be more of a 4-3 outside linebacker who can play in space and actually get out the quarterback as well. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I'd use him a little but bit. But you disagree. <laughs> a little bit because I think it should be in a 3-4. In a I think it should be an OLB in a, in a three-man front so that he is standing up all the time. But when it is like third and long, second and long, he can put his hand in the dirt, but get in a wide nine and get outside and use his speed. I agree with you. I don't I don't want him as a, as a base edge in a four-man front. I think he's going to get run on all day. But he's got the twitch that I think you need. He needs hand counters. I've seen a spin. I've seen a baby chop out of him. Like There's a couple of things to build on there, but it needs some work. Yeah. And there's no plan. So bring him in, make him a situational pass rusher. I think in a in that situation where he can rush from a, a wider stance and not really be entangled, let's let's push the athleticism of the tackles, not kind of play into them. And in that case, I think he can do some damage as a, as a designated pass rusher as a rookie. There also was one more thing that I made note of before we get to this next guy, but uh, doesn't have strength versus run, but will fight to get in on the play. And that was mm-hmm. one thing that I noticed, like it, there would be a run play where maybe he'd get pushed back two, three yards or whatever, but he doesn't just give up on the play or he doesn't like, you know, give, give up to where the offensive lineman is able to take him where he wants him to go. He'll fight and get scrappy and still fight to kind of play through the contact and make a, a tackle. Now, again, he's, I probably not the guy that's going to blow up a tackle or pulling guard or anything like that and make a play. But if you want a guy that is going to be relentless, and again, that's I think that's why I see him more as a 4-3 outside backer. But like you said, maybe 3-4 outside backer as well. I think he excels in that type of uh, play. But yeah. we do have another guy I want to talk about just a little bit. Christopher Allen, defensive lineman out of Alabama. And he's a guy who I think people had kind of high hopes for heading into this season. And then he had the injury. And when I say high hopes, you know, like day two type pick, definitely won't mistake him for uh, 31. I don't know why I'm blaming him. Yeah, Anderson right now. Like, right, that, that's, that's a freak. He's going number one overall next year. But looking at, uh, you know, Christopher Allen, you know, I thought as an edge setter in the run, he was solid. Yeah, now, we talked about being a 3-4 outside backer. I think he's primed at being that. Watching him and I – compare a lot of guys to like some of the 49er players I've watched in the past, but like Ahmad Brooks, where, you know, Ahmad Brooks, he can get you some sacks, you know, eight sack a year type, you know, seven, seven sacks, six sacks, that type of guy, but he can do some things where he's dropping into coverage. Uh, when I saw Christopher Allen, those are some of the things I saw. Now, he did get hurt in the first game, so I only played one one game this past season. It's coming off of, I believe it was an ACL injury, but the way he was able to come out around that edge, especially like one of the sacks he got in the Miami game, chop the hands down, dip his shoulder, kind of have some bend, get to the quarterback. That was solid. I didn't see enough from the pass rush standpoint of where it was like consistent, like causing havoc on opposing quarterbacks. And that was interesting to see because with Alabama, I watched a few other guys before I got to Allen, who's, you know, obviously on Alabama. They play fast. Like it, it was like from going from like, Western Kentucky and some of these other schools to go into Alabama, it was like warped speed. But even then, he was a guy who I thought had a decent get off with his first step, but needs a little bit more. But I think if he's not, again, he could play 4 3 in, but I like him more as a 3 4 outside backer. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I only watched that, you know, part of that one game. I didn't actually go study him because of that injury and because of, of the volume of film. So, 
I think in that transition, you almost can redefine yourself. So I hope that he does. I think he's a prospect that has those flashes enough that you you got to think you have something. Here's some of the notes I have on him. Uh, sack off the edge uh, with good hand swipe. Uh, edge setter versus run. Very active hands. Work spin and secondary pass rush move. Quick get off. Can't drop in the coverage. Feels more like a 3-4 outside linebacker. Sounds about right. Sounds like a saving defense. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> that said, you know, I, if I look through rose-colored glasses, you know, I find a lot of things I like about prospects, but not all glasses are like that. And if you want new sunglasses, the independent company Shady Rays has a deal for you. They have all kinds of features and $200 worth of sunglasses at a fraction of the price. They're premium. They're polarized. They're double-framed. They're durable. They're premium high-end finishes, and that's what makes them different. They have this crazy uh, return process. If you lose them for any reason, for like me, if, if I drop them in the lake this summer, they'll replace them, period. There you go. That, that might be the best deal you've ever heard of. Plus, if you do purchase through them, uh, you can actually donate to Fight Hunger in America through them as part of your purchase. Head over to ShadyRays.com and use the code LOCKEDON to get 50% off of two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON. For their best deal of the season, 50% off of two pairs. And they're backed by 150,000 verified five-star reviews. That goes a long way. I always like to see those. And I would bet that they're pretty good. And if I was going to bet, I'd probably lay some money down and bet online because they got everything that you need to get your money in play in a smart way. That's podcast information. All the, the details that go into to laying bets, especially if it happens to be a big parlay, right, Croc? That yeah. you can get done. It takes a lot of information. So they have it all for you at Bet Online. Go over there, check out their website. They do it all for you. You can bet on all the major sports. There's hockey playoffs, there's baseball again, there's all kinds of stuff. Check it out over there at Bet Online where the game starts. All right. So we still on edge or you want to go somewhere else? Who's let's go somewhere else? Okay. I, go with a, a running back, right? So I have one running back that I want to note, make note of today, and that's Pierre Strong out of South Dakota. All right. And this is a guy I've been hearing a lot about his name. And obviously, you know, you go to the combine, you run extremely well. He ran in the four threes. So this is a guy that has blazing speed. And he has good size, around 5'11", 207, 208 pounds type guy. So he built very well. Now, we want to talk about speed. He clearly has speed. He has breakaway type speed. That's his, that's the, that's, I don't want to say that's the one thing that he can hang his hat on. But if there's one thing where it's like, hey, I drafted this guy and I know I'm going to get this. It's that. You are going to get that speed. Now, there are other things to his game that make me believe that he is a very scheme-specific type running back. He's not someone that wants to stop his feet. Once he stops his feet, he had a lot of trouble you know, making guys miss. Uh, his start-stop wasn't ex- very uh, – you know, you see the acceleration out of that. Uh, the change of direction was okay. Didn't really see a whole lot of like – guys making, you know, him making guys miss in the open field. And he felt more like a one cut back, which is fine. But I think that all that means is he is more of a zone scheme, outside zone scheme type runner. Well, if he can, he reads the line very well and he can put his foot in the ground and get upfield right now. Solid. If he's a guy that you want to put in more of a power offense where he has kind of run and be a little bit more patient, set up blockers and kind of, you know, be a little bit craftier like that. I don't think he's quite that guy. But again, a one cut type offense where that whole offensive line is moving, he can read it and hit that hole. Now he can be very dangerous. And yeah, 
I kind of correlate a lot of things to the 49ers because I've watched a lot of them. We'll just say Shanahan run scheme. He's a guy that would fit well in that because you're not asked to have to make guys miss and stuff like that. You know, we saw Raheem Mostert. He was amazing for the 49ers. What do you do? Okay, let me press the line, press the line. Boom, see that crack? That crack and go. Hit it full speed. Get him out on the edge with some tosses, things like that. But again, if he has to stop his feet, change direction, I think that's where he can get a little bit of trouble. I tell you, for the running backs, for me, I, I need something that's well-rounded. So I'm not stuck always running outside zone. You know what I mean? And like there, yeah. there are patterns in this league that hurt you. I think that's one of them. For me, the guy that I think is underrated is Ford uh, out of Cincinnati. Yeah. He, he can do it all, in my opinion. He runs zone real well. He's got vision once he gets clear. I think he can run behind blocks. I don't have any problem with that. I know people are, are a little bit concerned about some of the things you were just saying as well. But he passed blocks well. He passed catches well. Like He's not great at any one thing, but he can step on the field in pretty much any offense in this league and be productive for you once he gets the swing of it. And I know folks are projecting him in, in the sixth round. I think he's probably worth a fourth-round pick at this point. And there have been a, there were a lot of people that are really high on him previously. I think people expected him to run a little bit faster at the combine, and he didn't run quite as fast as some of the other running backs like Pierre Strong, who I just mentioned, and a few other guys. I mean, Kenneth Walker, uh, James Jones, uh, Zier White. I mean, there were a lot of guys that were running very well at the combine, running that turf up. Ford wasn't he? Excuse me, he wasn't one of them. And I think it was a little alarming to some people because they were expecting him to run faster. Now, I would say, well. If he's running fast on film, that's all that matters. But as you kind of, you know, stack him up against the competition, that's something that can push him down just a little bit. That's that's the way that it always works out. But, you know, running backs, you get lucky. You get them as UDFAs half the time. So let's see what happens and who's going to take the challenge on them. What else you got? What, where do you want to go next? I'd say receivers. All right. And there are a couple of receivers that, one, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have – they know about, but maybe they haven't heard someone break them down. Then another one, maybe haven't heard them because I didn't know about them before I watched them. But uh, first guy is Romeo Dubs out of Nevada, wide receiver. And he was a guy I was kind of a little shocked. Well, not shocked, but I watched him at the Senior Bowl week. And I was like, you know what? He has some stuff I really like. And he was able to get behind guys and make some catches downfield and did some things very well. But it was very interesting watching him. And again, he got hurt as well. So this is a guy who, after the Senior Bowl was hurt, he didn't test at the combine, didn't test at a pro day. So nobody's going to have numbers on him. I think that's something that might make him drop to, at some point, day three, maybe fifth or sixth round. And if he is a guy that goes in the fifth or sixth round, I think he's very, very, very good value from there. Um, very fluid, nice twitch and suddenness. That helps him a lot versus press. I thought he got off of press extremely effortlessly. Uh, not fast, but can play fast on intermediate routes. Uh, not going to create... Downfield separation with speed, but he will if he catches you slipping. He can get behind a defense That's and make catches, enough, right? uh, catches down the field. Um, I thought he had good hips and bend, uh, getting in and out of his breaks. He was very fluid in that way. Can win vertically, but likely won't be his bread and butter at the NFL level against that kind of competition. Torched the UNLV cornerback. I mean, just consistently got behind them. I'm like, well, is it a competition type thing or is that just who he is? Uh, he did a really good job consistently of stacking defensive backs and winning over the top and at the top of routes. And that was something I saw at the senior ball as well. So overall, what I came away with, and, you know, we're talking about like comps and things like that for Romeo Dubs, it was, I don't know if he's going to be Quentin Cephas, who was like uh, late, maybe a late round or undrafted guy out of, out of uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. 
Yeah, and I believe he went to the Detroit Lions. So is he going to be like that, or is he going to be like Chris Godwin, right, mm -hmm. who is a mid-round pick out of uh, Penn State, I believe it was. And we see what he is, and he's been more of a slot. And I look at Romeo Dubs, I'm like, man, if you put him in a slot, I think he could be terrific there, especially with all of his ability. His ability to be so sudden and quick and, and twitched up over the middle. I think his routes are good. He, he understands leverage and things like that. He can be really good from that standpoint. So uh, Romeo Dubs, that's a guy, no testing numbers on him. Could, right. you know, smaller school, non-power five, potentially slip to fifth or sixth round. I think he'd be a very good pick there. And then another guy that I watched, uh, Khalil Pimpleton out of Central Michigan. Now this guy is tiny. And, and one thing that I do when I'm watching film, I don't I don't look at how tall or how much he weighs or anything like that. So I, I don't know those numbers on him. But if I had to guess, just based off what I looked on film, and I and I don't do that because I want the notes to tell me what this what guy that? is or isn't. I don't want to look and see like, oh man, he's 5'10, 150 pounds. He so he plays weak. Like, no, I want the film to tell me that. So I try not to look at those things. But on film, if I had to guess. We're talking about somebody that's probably five seven, hundred and sixty-five pounds. Like he he looks tiny. All right. Uh quick twitch off of the line. He was able to create some natural separation right away and run away from guys. He primarily played in the slot. Um, uh, tough getting hands on at the line of scrimmage. But then my next note was: but when CBs are patient with him and they get hands on, the route's done. He there was no strength or anything at the top of routes. And it almost kind of made him. I don't want to call him a one-trick pony, but it's just if he can't beat you right now, it's done. Uh, could play stronger at the top of routes. Uh, required, he's, uh, a requirement of mine is I typically like guys that are smaller. Can you play big? And what I mean by that is just if there are bodies around you, can you play through the contact? If the ball is in the air, even though you're smaller, can you go up and get the ball? And just didn't see it from here. And then also, uh, yeah, there quick twitch. What you think of when you see a smaller guy, but I think for him, if he's going to make it at the next level, it's probably going to be more special teams. But again, like there is some like nice little, like if you want to throw him in there as a fifth receiver, who's also a returner and then be able to do things like uh, the kid number 11 that was playing for the New Orleans Saints. He was doing all the returns, yep. quick twist. And then they start finding ways to get the ball in his hands in space. If he ends up being a guy like that, then you're, 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 you're solid. But I don't think you draft him or – probably going undrafted thinking, oh, this guy's going to be a key contributor on our offense. It sounds like it sounds like you need to feed him. Back to Dubs for a second. I, I watched him a little bit, and I thought he was pretty good with his hands, but I did see a few where he let the ball into his body, and I don't I don't dig that from him. So did you see that as well, or it was just a freak game that I watched? Uh, it wasn't something I made note of, but I will pay more attention to that. And I like hands catchers as well. Yeah. You know, So I do like the guys that plug the ball – out the out the air away from their body. I didn't make note of that. So maybe that does tell me that maybe he does let the ball get in on his body a little bit. I, I didn't watch a ton on him. You know, it, it's hard to find a Vata film for me. So I, I was getting there. But and then your second guy it sounds like he needs to eat. And if he was gonna do it, uh, I think I know what to feed him, right? Like you guys there need was, to check the bill bars. Go ahead. I do have one more guy, real quick, and I'll try to uh fire through him before we get to these um last few guys. But Justin Ross had a Clemson. I know everybody's heard about him. And here are just my notes. I'll just run through those and then, you know, we can. But lack of vertical separation, 
QB's situation sucks, so I don't think he made himself – it didn't make him an easy target, right? Like, if your quarterback situation is shaky and stuff like that, are you helping the quarterbacks? I didn't think he quite did that. He didn't make it any easier. All right. Uh, played at one speed. Short area separation, not there. Route manipulation, not there. Some of the same issues I had with T. Higgins, though, but not as good. And T. Higgins, I had somebody like, man, where's the short area separation? Where's he? And T. Higgins, it hasn't been the issue. Thousand-yard receiver in the NFL, right? Uh, pretty much for his first two years. Yeah. Uh, I think he can be a playmaker at the catch point, but overall, I, I was thinking I was going to see a little bit more from him and see a little bit more T. Higgins in him because when he was a freshman. I mean, he was a guy, right? Exactly. And now, you know, he's had some of the injuries, like spinal fusion or, you know, that surgery he had to have. I don't know if that kind of limited some of the things that I saw over this last film. But they did do a lot to try to get the ball in his hands, screens and things like that. And I, and I thought that says a lot about maybe how fluid of an athlete they think he is. But I just didn't see a guy who was able to really create any type of separation. I don't, I, I don't expect every receiver to, you know, run routes like Stefan Diggs or, you know, be, you know, Justin Jefferson or anything like that. But I do have to figure out, like, how do you win? And do you win that way consistently? And I walked away from him saying, I, I don't know what he's going to be able to hang his hat on at the next level. He reminds me a lot of Stingley in that his best film was his earliest film. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I don't think he's 100% healthy. So for me, he's a huge risk. He is he's a gamble that unfortunately needs to fall into the mid to late day three because you don't know what you're going to get. And maybe you rehab him. Maybe he's on a longer road to recovery. But I think there is something there that you can look back on. You just got to not spend a lot of resources to get it and see what you can get. Yeah. So that said, he probably needs to eat too. And Bill Bars is the way to go, folks. <laughs> they have everything that you need. They're like candy bars, but they're not. And they have chocolate on the outside, but they have nutrition on the inside. 130 to 150 calories, only four grams of sugar, four net carbs, tons of protein, 17 grams per bar. And they have some of the best flavors. I think Crocs in on the, what is it, the white chocolate cookie dough? Well, I love the puffs. Uh, oh, And sorry. pretty much or any puff you put in front of me, I love all of those. Those are marshmallow, folks. You want to try those. I'm not into the marshmallow thing, so I'll stick with the coconut brownie stuff. That's kind of my speed. But they have everything that you want, and if they don't, they'll probably make it if you give them a good suggestion. They're better than a candy bar because they're about half the calories, over 300 for some of those. Check them out. I think you guys will dig them. And honestly, they have a great deal going for you just to help you get into it. It's over at build.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off over there. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% over at built.com. All right. So it's kind of dumb for me to talk about corners when you're on the show. So why don't I just hand it over to you? <laughs> All right, so I have one corner, one safety. All right, and the corner is Jalen Lamar Davis out of Alabama. Mm -hmm. And really good prospect. Not sure why we're not hearing much more about him. Is it catch point? Because his movement looks good to me, but I don't see the attack on the ball. I don't see on the route recognition as much from what I saw. I thought he was very comfortable with what they asked of him. Uh, especially some, you know, just different schemes that, you know, Alabama, they do a really good job of mixing things up. There was one play where it was clear it was man coverage, some type of bracket that they were putting on the receiver he was guarding. And a lot of times in two-man, and again, I, I'm calling this two-man trail, but I, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not in the meetings with Alabama. Right. But he does work to get in a trail position. So the thing I liked about this is however his coach coached it up or taught him how to play, I think he executed that to a T, where – 
you want to sit there at the sticks, which he did a really good job of that, and cocking his body to where the receiver, as he's pushing up field, would have to work through him to run any in-breaking route. Now, the reason why you want to get in a trail position is because that allows you to undercut any in- or out-breaking route. He's sitting on that. The receiver is going to have to fight through him. He gets comfortable in space, gets his head around, and he knocks the ball away. I thought that was terrific just from executing. Now, did they put a whole lot of responsibility on him in that play? No, but it just was good to see him execute the technique that his coach is thinking. Now, from what I saw the rest of the time, very consistent with his technique, very sound. Reminded me a lot of Patrick Sertan, and I mean, obviously coming from the same school. Uh, his press technique was really good. Good feet, good hands at the line of scrimmage, good job working his feet to get in position to get his hands on. I thought that was good. His ability to run with guys, and I was like, man, this is really good. Then you check his 40-yard dash, and I was like, oh, he ran in the four threes, so he can fly. All right. Uh, from a zone perspective, understanding his eyes and eye discipline, I thought he did a really good job of reading his keys, squeezing on routes, and then breaking off when he sees maybe a uh, two going to the flats, come off of that, make tackles. Uh, there was a play where there was a screen play, and you just saw him make guys miss, get in there for a tackle for loss. I mean, he put a lot of really good things on film. And I think, again, the thing that was the most consistent to me was, like, the technical aspect of it with the athleticism that he has. And there are a lot of guys that a lot of times when they are just these super freakish athletes, you don't see them uh, use their technique as much. They kind of just go out there and play. And they'll make plays because they're athletic. But, you know, the technique part, you have to teach them at the next level. Don't think that's going to be an issue with him. So that's the first guy where I'm like, man, the good prospect. I, I think he should go day two. I think he's yeah. a day two guy. I have him on day two as well. Like, how high do you think? If he goes second round, I wouldn't be shocked or surprised at all. Um, If he goes around uh, – if he goes before maybe a guy that, you know, before other people – a guy that other people are talking about, I wouldn't be surprised at that. Yeah. And by that, I mean like Kyrie Elam, who I'm higher on Kyrie Elam. But if Amar Davis goes before Kyrie Elam, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, his importance to uh, Alabama is big as well. I mean, yeah. this is a guy who, you know, we didn't see him in a national title game. I mean, they end up losing to Georgia. So they missed him. They missed the corner on the other side as well. But, yeah, I really liked him. I think I have him in the 80s, and I'm more than comfortable with him. Yeah, no, that's know. solid. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know. Is it a game? Is it a solid guy that you can rely on? Does he have any upside to like change the game, take the ball away? I, I didn't. I didn't note that play that you were talking about, but that's exactly what I'm looking for out of him. So right. it makes a lot of sense. He certainly got the positional abilities right there. So, all right, hit me with the safety. All right, here's my last guy, uh, Marquise Bell, safety out of Florida A and M. And this is a guy, big, strong safety, uh, 6'2", 212 pounds. Athletic freak ran a 4-4-6, 40-yard dash, 36-and-a-half-inch uh, vertical leap. So those things is like, you know, you see a guy that has that type of size, great. Now, you know, obviously he played at a smaller school. And yeah. that's why, you know, a guy like him can fly under the radar. I think he is more of your strong safety, but has the athletic ability to be a guy who you can do more versatile things with. A little more tight-hipped than you ideally would like. So I don't know if he's a guy that you want to have play off in space too much. Yeah. But from an athletic standpoint, when he anticipates something, he's able to click and close extremely fast. He's very physical. Talked about screens with uh, Mar Davis. This is another guy who can blow up screens and make tackles, run through guys. Thought he did that very well. More of a guy that you want to play around the line of scrimmage, 
But again, he can do two high stuff. If you want in a pinch, he can do single high stuff. He did some match quarter stuff at his school. But a guy I was I walked away like pleasantly surprised. And even if, if you're able to draft him day three, he doesn't just have value as a safety for your team, but a special teamer as well. Right. I think that's a pivotal part. People don't think about it, but you can draft somebody fifth, sixth round, and if you can get a uh, high-level special teams value out of those guys, you're good. Yeah, I just saw the 49ers sign a safety Odom where, you know, they paid him $10 million, you know, because he's a top-notch gunner. So hey, Take it. It's like a ton of bricks. I like him down in the strong safety spot too. I, I just feel like in general, the less he has to read, the better. Like let him attack stuff, use him yeah. as a weapon. Yeah, like that concept. Um, I think he had a couple of injuries that I kind of dinged him on on my evaluation just because it seemed like a good bit, but I, I don't have him off the top of my head. But do you see him as a guy that makes it on teams and then maybe able to work into the, the defensive rotation? Yeah, I think he's going to have to try to get in there first and foremost off of special teams. And if he can do that, then he's a guy who eventually can work his way in. And we've seen that with other guys where, you know, maybe you are drafted a little bit late. But teams are going to value that special teams aspect of a guy that has this type of size and that type of athleticism. Be able to run down as a gunner, maybe be a punt protector, and then run down, make tackles, kick off. You know, and they they value that type of ability. So I see him being able to excel at that at the next level, then potentially make his way onto a, you know, starting defense down the line. He's a guy that can single-handedly change your field position. So that's what you need, folks. That's it for us today. Make sure – that you are ready for the draft. We are going to be live. Don't forget that down on the streaming services on the Locked On NFL channel here on YouTube as well as Roku, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. It's been a long road, Croc. I'm almost ready. I like your sneaky fix today. Thanks, man. We'll get some more coming on uh, Monday. Oh, we got the mock draft. And then right. that'll probably be our final mock draft. So It is the final mock draft, folks. It's going to be fun. Don't miss it. Get ready for the draft. We'll be back with you then. Thanks for being with us. For Eric Crocker, I'm Ryan Tracy. We'll see you next time. Peace.